one on the right, one on the left. The one in the middle will take his last breath. Accusations will fly from one to the other, while the one in the middle listens as he suffers. Hours of bickering, who was the worst? While the one in the middle was taking their curse. He's done nothing wrong, said the one on the right, while the one in the middle shined like a light. The other one cursed and mocked without care, while the one in the middle felt his despair. He turned to the other with love in his eyes and said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. One of the thieves made the right choice, then the one in the middle lifted his voice. The people around us listened and heard the one in the middle say his last word. It is finished. It is done. The price has been paid. Forever has been won. Right there beneath him, I finally see the man in the middle. He did this for me. Friends, the man in the middle, Jesus, as he was crucified, he made seven sayings, seven mini sermons from the cross. These are words of life from the tree of death where he hung. Each week from now until Easter, we are focusing on one of these seven sayings. Last week, we looked at the word of forgiveness. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. We saw that Jesus' first word was a prayer to his heavenly Father, that he focused on others, that the them included all the people there on that day at Calvary, but also all of us today and throughout the ages as well. And we saw that forgiveness is about receiving complete and total forgiveness from God, forgiving ourselves and forgiving others. And I know that the sermon had a chord with a few people, especially when it came to forgiving ourselves and forgiving others, and I pray that God will continue to speak to you about that. Today we are looking at the word of salvation, specifically Jesus' words to one of the thieves beside him that Mozart read out just before. I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Such beautiful, comforting words of promise. But before we get to them this morning, we're going to look at the passage overall and explore the context of it and how it relates to us. Here is what we see in the passage that Mozart just read. Three crosses, two criminals, one Christ, the man in the middle. Now, I'm going to um, be honest and say that when Roxy read the sermon, she didn't really like the man in the middle part. So I'm just here to say that Jesus is fully man and fully God. I'm just using the man in the middle. So I hope that doesn't offend anyone. But if it does, feel free to talk to me afterwards. That's fine. So three, two, and one. Let's focus briefly on each of these things now. Three crosses. Depictions of Jesus' crucifixion often involve the image of three crosses. His was the only cross to offer salvation and the forgiveness of sins. But often we will see these three crosses represented. Why is that? Well, one reason could be that the three crosses represent the state of all people. There is the redeemed, the thief number two. There is the unredeemed, who is thief number one. And there is the redeemer, the man in the middle, Jesus. All of humanity can find themselves in this picture. Jesus, the Redeemer, offers eternal life and salvation to all people who believe in him. Some will believe and they will follow him, and they are the redeemed. 
Sadly, some will not believe or follow him, and they are the unredeemed. But the point is that in the depiction of these three crosses, we are offered the choice to put our trust in the man in the middle, the Redeemer. Or we are similarly offered the choice to not put our trust in him. The three crosses is a visually striking metaphor for those who call themselves followers of Jesus and his way of living, and for those who do not. Three men on three crosses, two guilty and deserving to be there, one innocent and falsely condemned. So let's have a closer look at the two guilty ones now, the two criminals. It's safe to say they had made some bad choices, and they were facing the consequences of their actions, crucifixion. Now, crucifixion was not a light punishment by any means. It was reserved for the worst of the worst of the worst criminal offenders. So even though we know these two as robbers or thieves, it's highly likely that they were likely terrorists or even murderers. They were not first-time offenders. Now, they made two requests each. One, one request, sorry, to the man in the middle. So we're going to look at the thief's request, the first one. He said, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. The thief shouted out this request to Jesus. Aren't you meant to be the Messiah, the one to save all of Israel? Well, why don't you save yourself by coming down off that cross and then save us as well? Now, he was likely referring to himself and the other thief in this sentence. This thief was insulting Jesus and adding his voice to the crowd and the soldiers who were taunting Jesus and telling him to save himself. And if you think about it, this thief used a lot of his energy to insult Jesus. When you're being crucified, you have to breathe in and you have to use all your muscles just to speak one word. And he used his words to insult Jesus. So in some of his last moments on earth, he is using his energy to criticize the person next to him, the savior of the world. I marvel at that. I think, wow. Did he believe Jesus was the Savior? The text doesn't exactly say, but there's enough evidence for us to presume he didn't believe this. Instead, he was happy to hurl those insults at Jesus. And sadly, as we know today, there are people that are happy to hurl insults at Jesus. They don't believe he is the Savior of the world, yet they are happy to take his name in vain. Like this thief, their hearts are hardened towards Jesus. Before we look at the second request, let's pause to pray for those that we know whose hearts are hard towards Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bring before you now the names of people that we know whose hearts are hard or closed towards you. Would you work in their hearts? Soften them and make them open to hear the freedom and truth of the gospel. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So that's the first thief. The second thief reprimands him for not fearing God. And he tells him that while they both deserve to be on these crosses, this man, the man in the middle, does not, for he has done nothing wrong. Then he makes his request to Jesus in verse 42. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In other translations, the word Lord is used. Lord, remember me. 
It's interesting to note that the second thief is the only person at this horrific scene, the crucifixion of Jesus, to use this word openly and confess Jesus as Lord. One of the Roman centurions there says, surely this man was the son of God, but nobody else uses the term Lord. From his own tree of, tree of death, this thief begs Jesus for his life. Remember me. There is desperation and there is hope in his voice as well. He is coming to Jesus with all that he has, which, let's be honest, is not much, is it? This man is likely only hours or even minutes away from death. He's been crucified because he deserves to be. His punishment is fitting. He's really got nothing to offer Jesus. Just his life, which is slowly but surely slipping away. And I think that's the point here. When we come to Jesus, we can offer him only what we have, our lives, our messed up, broken, sinful lives. We can't dress ourselves up before him. We can't pretend like we have it all together, like we have no conflict with others in our lives, like we don't struggle with sin and its consequences. No, we're real and we're honest with him and we offer our lives to him. We want him to remember us just like the second thief's request. He recognized that while the three of them on the cross shared a common punishment, one thing they did not have in common was that the two of them were dying for their own sins, while Jesus, the man in the middle, was innocent and dying for the sins of others. There was a stark contrast between the two rightfully condemned robbers and their requests. The one was unrepentant and mocking. He would soon experience God's wrath. The other, repentant and humble, he would soon experience God's salvation. This made me think through scripture about other stark contrasts. If we think back to Genesis, Cain and Abel, two brothers a sacrifice made. One brought a lamb, the other his effort, the toil of his spade. The younger killed the lamb and was accepted by another. The older murdered his brother and was marked by death like no other. Well, think of the two men at the temple, one self-righteous and one aware of his sin. Two men went to the temple to pray. The righteous stood proud, disgusted by the sinner at his side. The other lowly bowed with, a be- with barely a word to say. No salvation to the haughty man, but the sinner joyously was saved. Or consider the prodigal son and the elder brother. Two brothers sought the father's heart to please. One praised him, his own righteous condition. The other begged for mercy with a heart of contrition. No peace for the elder son, but the younger found salvation. And then think of these two criminals rightfully condemned. Two criminals ascended to Calvary, condemned to die. One joined the hateful throng. The other listened humbly, his heart to the man in the middle drew nigh. A greater death met the first thief's wrong, while life everlasting came to the second from on high. Think of them and us today. One man poor in spirit, another high and pious. One man low and humble, another proud and pompous. Which one are you? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Is this the posture and cry of your heart today? Lord, remember me. Not, Lord, look how good I am. Look at what I've done. Lord, remember me. Three crosses. 
two criminals, one Christ, man, the man in the middle. Jesus has been silent in response to the first criminal. Not one word was uttered back. But he responds to the second criminal. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. The words of salvation from the Savior himself. So let's look a bit closer at them now. Today. Jesus assures the second thief that salvation is his today, immediately. This is an instant declaration from Jesus. No conditions, no exceptions, no prescriptions, no waiting period. Today is the day of salvation. The Apostle Paul echoes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. I wonder if it's possible that Paul was thinking about this exact moment between Jesus and the thief number two. Jesus' words of today is for us as well. When we come to him and believe in him, we receive his salvation immediately. Our sins are forgiven. We are made right with our holy God. We are justified and able to be in his presence. Stop for a moment and picture the second thief. Imagine the relief that washed over his entire body, mind, and soul. As he was there dying, he hears Jesus' words of pardon and the promise that once he dies, he will be with Jesus today. What comfort and what joy that must have brought him in his dying moments. And look at who those words of Jesus are for. Today, you, you, Jesus is talking to a criminal here. A man who deserves the punishment for his crime or crimes. A man who is not far from death, a horrible death. A man with nothing to offer but a repentant heart. Remember me. Jesus' words of salvation are for this man. Not for a celebrity, not for a religious leader of the day, not for one of the crowd there who were watching. It was for a dying criminal, the least qualified and lowliest of status. We know that Jesus said he came to save the sick and not the healthy. He came for the sinner and not the righteous. He came for the poor in spirit and not the proud in heart. He is living what he taught throughout his life, being a man of his word. The second thief was in a posture of humility before Jesus. His heart was open to him. He was repentant of his sinfulness. You, today you, that includes me and that includes you, all of us. Have there not been times in our lives when we have lived like these two criminals? Our hearts have been far from God. We've had pride in our hearts. We've ignored God, betrayed others, put ourselves and our desires first. When we've come to God and humbled ourselves, these words are for us too. Today we will be with him. He will be with us. He promises salvation is ours today. That's good news, isn't it? That's very good news. We can be excited about that. We can smile about that. 
Because Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The second thief is assured by the man in the middle that not only will he be with him today, but that he will be with him today in paradise. This personal encounter with Jesus saves him from eternal separation. Paradise is being with Jesus. Dr. David Jeremiah says this, Heaven is where Jesus is. The Bible has many references to his presence there. And when we read it or hear it, the Bible leaves no question about the matter. When we go to heaven, we are going to be with Jesus. Heaven's not about a place. It's about a person. Being right with God, having salvation in Christ, means that we have peace. Peace of mind, knowing our eternal destination, yes, but also peace that, in, that we can know Jesus right now on earth. True peace comes from knowing Jesus, this man in the middle between the criminals. Perhaps the second thief breathed a huge sigh of relief when Jesus assured him that he will be with him in paradise. Perhaps he experienced a rush of comfort, delight, and this peace that washed over him that he could not understand. I know that when I think of the times that I've come back to Jesus in my own life and committed my life back to him, I have been refreshed physically and spiritually. It's the peace from knowing him and knowing that he is with me. Maybe you are sitting here this morning and if you're honest, you haven't experienced that peace for a while. You are following Jesus. You're doing the right things. But it's the knowing him intimately. It's the experiencing his presence day in, day out that you are missing. If that's you, then I also want to stop right now and pray specifically for you in this moment. Lord Jesus, we desire to know you more intimately. To know you is to have peace and walk in clarity. Lord, I ask right now that for those of us here today who don't feel close to you, Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Reveal yourself to us. Refresh us from the inside out. Just as you breathed on your disciples, breathe on us today, Lord Jesus. Your word says that you give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm and their trust in you. Lord, our trust is in you. Fill us today, we pray. We ask this in your name. Amen. The man in the middle looked at the second thief on the cross and assured him that today he would be with him in paradise. Friends, the man in the middle looks at us today and assures us with the same promise. We will be with him in paradise. There's a lot more that we could say about what today means, what paradise is like. Is it ever too late to be saved? How much must one do to, etern to earn eternal life and much more? But as we come to a close, let us focus on that man in the middle, the one who was innocent, the one who gave his life for ours, the one who endured mocking and taunts from the crowd and the first thief on the cross, the one who cared so deeply for that second thief and promised him salvation, life with him for eternity. As we focus on him, I started with a poem, 
And I'd like to finish with another poem. So Bill is going to come up and read for us this poem.